everybody. I was just telling your choir, man, I was in the choir. And she was like, yeah, I looked up and I was like, who are you? But, uh, you know, it's really great to be together. I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, share God's word with you this morning. Um, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I, I uh, was able to take time out and really thank God for 15 years of being a Christian. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really grateful. Um, thank you for inviting me here. I, I feel really at home. I really do, and it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's really nice here. The fellowship is awesome, people are just coming up to me, hugging me, they're like, are you a visitor, are you visiting, or are you a brother? I'm a brother. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm going to let my wife share first, she's, uh, awesome, I love her so much, um, Though she went to UCLA, boo. I, I, better, I better stop right there already. Hi, good morning. Um, thank you for this opportunity to share. Um, my name is Kira Viana, and um, we're just so happy to be able to worship God with you this morning. Um, we just love the Love Grins, and you know, we have bonded over the last three years um, through working out our salvation with fear and trembling, like it says in Philippians 2.13, as well as the fact that we both have two boys. And so it's been great to have them in our home and for us to stay with them in their home, for our boys to play, you know, lightsabers together, and for my kids to look up to their kids. So we're just grateful to share life. Thanks for that introduction, Doug, with them. But um, Tui just asked me to share a little bit about myself. I became a disciple at the age of 16 in 1990, and um, so I, I was born and raised in Hawaii, even though I'm not of Hawaiian descent, I'm Chinese, but I was born and raised there, and I was converted um, while the church was young there, and then two years later, I actually came here to LA to attend college, so I went to school at UCLA, where I was able to, that's right, Bruins! I know we're in like uh, Trojan country, like we went to the store, and I was like, where's the UCLA gear? But um, anyway, where I got to meet Gail Sweeney and Jerry Bolasan, which some of you may know, um, they're part of your group now here. But, um, you know, after college, I went home to Hawaii, and I attended law school, and then was called into the ministry um, in in 2000, uh, at the end of my law school attendance. And uh, throughout my walk with God, what has kept me faithful through my struggles with worldliness and arrogance and my purity, um, especially as a single, that was a big struggle for me. Um, and what has inspired me to find my refuge and hope in God and His church has been in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 8. And I just wanted to share that because I feel like, you know, as a disciple, I know many of you are about the same age spiritually. And it can be challenging, and yet I think what has kept me faithful and what I encourage my friends with and encourage people to, to cling on to is the scripture in First John 1 where it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
However, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. And so I just wanted to share that as a fellow sinner, someone that desperately needs God, I'm so grateful that as disciples we can walk in the light and be inspired to be faithful for the rest of our lives together. Amen. Amen. Uh, Doug told me Super Bowl Sunday, Blue Jean Sunday, and wear your team colors. Uh, I'm wearing black because my team didn't make the Super Bowl. So I, I'm mourning right now. Uh, yeah. But uh, I only have 20 minutes. Maybe 15 now because Kira shared five. This is a photo op. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, let's turn to Second Timothy chapter three. Super Bowl Sunday, Patriots versus Giants. They all have a game plan. They're going to execute their game plan and see who wins. You know what's great about being a disciple of Jesus? God always wins. Exactly. God always wins. So I'm fired up, man, today. We're winners. <laughs> we're good to go. You know? And sometimes that's... I mean, that's why we need times like this. To be reminded that you're on the winning team. Good, bad, or ugly, or ugliest, God loves you. His love doesn't change for you. He's unconditional in His love. And we need to be reminded of that. Amen? Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read the chapter here, and then we're going to focus on maybe two or three scriptures. Um... I'm going to read from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and uh, my heading says, Difficult Times Ahead. Man, amen. <laughs> if you've been a disciple, man, it's been difficult. Amen? We got amen on that. Amen, man. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Happy, Miss Universe Happy. I mean, we all struggle. We all came in here. Some of us were fired up, amen, to Jesus. Some of us came in here, oh, same thing, oh, brother. I sit here, sing songs. Fake the fellowship, go home, be unhappy. Hey, it says, difficult times ahead. (laughs) Verse 1, it says, but know this. Difficult times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, Brutal, without love for what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Amen. I mean, we read this scripture and we go, we can relate. I'm like fired up. I'm like, man, I don't need to be holier than holy. This speaks to me. I mean, when I was reading this, I was convicted by my own self. I could see my heart in these different areas. But what really convicted me was that lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
You know, when you're a young disciple, you're fired up. You're a lover of God. But as you mature, man, it's really hard to love God. Difficult. It says, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. It says, avoid these people. What? So we should avoid each other? Amen. Gotta go. Because you a bunch of sinners up in here. Oh, whoops. Me too. It's amazing how the Bible speaks to us. It can relate to us. It says, for among them are those who worm their ways into households and capture idle women burdened down with sins, led along by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. You know, when you're not doing well, this is, this is not a good service for you. Because when someone, it, it could be someone else reading this passage, it's just not going to sit well with our hearts. When we're not doing well, it, it doesn't sit well. Because that's what the truth does. It like, it's trying to break your hard heart. Because, you know, I... I could be sitting there and someone, if I'm not doing well and someone reads the scripture, I'll be like, come on, man, bro. What time is it? Don't you got 20 minutes to get off the stage? Hurry up, brother. Verse 9. But they will not make further progress for their lack of understanding will be clear to all as theirs was also. And then it's, this is so convicting. The title for this in the Holman Christian Standard Bible from verse 10 to 17 is Struggles in the Christian Life. Man, I am so thankful, God, that when we became disciples of Jesus, we were given scriptures time and time again to remind us that it's going to be a struggle to be a disciple. It's going to be, we're going to struggle. This life is hard. I thought as a college student 15 years ago, I was fired up, man. In medical school, in Hawaii, beautiful women everywhere on the campus. And when they ask you, what are you you doing here? Well, uh, I'm a med student. No, oh, you are? You're going to be a doctor? Yeah. What's your number? I mean, that, you know, that, that was me. That's me. That's who I am. Verse 10. Stop it now. Stop it. Verse 10. But you have followed my teaching. Conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. See, it wasn't cool to be in these cities. Because, man, if I read this letter from Paul, I'd be like, dude, I'm totally avoiding those cities if I want to do well. (laughs) 
But you know what's amazing? All the struggles. What's amazing to me is that it's, Paul says to, to Timothy here, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. That's our hope. God is going to rescue us. We're at whatever we're going through. And I don't know, many of us go through a lot of things. I'm a simple kind of guy. I go through one major thing all the time. But I know this. God will rescue us. Amen? He will. He's ready to rescue us. I can't wait for that day, man. Imagery, Jesus in heaven, then we're going to fly on up like Superman. Dude, that's a cool imagery. To meet Jesus. Man, I hope hope he does that before I die. Because I want to be able to fly. (laughs) There's Jesus. Oh, it's all Superman. I mean, that's our hope. God is going to rescue you from wherever you're at this morning. He is ready. He's well capable of it. If Jesus rose from the dead, he's well capable of rescuing you. And you're not dead yet. Let's continue to read. Verse 12. In fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse. (laughs) What? (laughs) They become worse. Evil people become worse than what they are. And it says, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete Equipped for every good work. You know, this morning, Paul gives us two reasons why we should know the scriptures. And I want want to focus on verse 15 and verse 17. Two very simple points this morning. And one is, the, the two reasons why we should know the scriptures is one, we can know Jesus and his salvation. We can know Jesus and his salvation. You know, the question is, what stops us from knowing Jesus and his salvation? I mean, that's the real question for all of us, right? Let me share three with you that I've experienced in my life as a disciple of Jesus over the last 15 years. Ready? Here's the first one that stops me from knowing Jesus and his salvation. I don't know how. Obviously, if I knew, to be, knew how to become a disciple, I wouldn't need the brothers in my life 15 years ago to study with me to help me clearly see that I was a disciple of myself. And then we get into that mentality. Oh, once we become a disciple, I should know what I'm doing because I'm maturing, blah, blah, blah. You know what? I've never been 40 years old as a disciple. I have no idea what that territory means. I have no idea what it means to be 40 and married at 40 with two kids at the age of 8 and 5. I have no idea. I need to be taught. You remember that part where it says, be baptized? And then that other part where it says, teaching them to obey everything? 
It wasn't a one-time deal. It wasn't, oh, January 24, 1997, I got baptized. I don't need no more teaching. Man, I still need some teaching. People in my ministry go, you need some more teaching. I bet, amen, brother. And sisters. You know, they got something to say. You know what I'm saying? to be a disciple at age 40. I need to be taught how to be a husband. Amen, Kira? Surely she's more humble than I am. I need to be taught to be a father. I need to be taught on a bunch of other things too. The list goes on. Amen? The second thing, I mean, I think this is what you do when you don't know. Here's the practical thing to do. I need some help. That's my practical to you. Just ask for help. Ask for help. Ask God for help. Ask one another for help. Because Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another just as I have loved you. Peter was like, where are you going? I'm going to die. But because I'm going, I'm going to leave you with each other. And I'm sure they went, yeah, they did the same thing. What? He doesn't love like you. I mean, that's what we think. Dude, you're not going to love me like Jesus. But that's what we got to do. It's the only new command Jesus gave us in the Bible. Love one another just as I love you. We got to love each other like Jesus loves us. Are we doing that? Where we could be, where you feel confident. I could be good, bad, ugly, or ugliest, and you will still love me like Jesus. Amen. Ask for help. Just say, I need your help. I need help. I need help. I need help. I need help. Second one that stops me from knowing Jesus and his salvation. I'm not that motivated. Now, Kira might, you know, what? You're motivated. No. When you've been a disciple for 15 years and you pray, you read, you study the Bible with people, you do all these things, and it's unfruitful, guess what? You're not that motivated. Let's be honest. You're not that motivated. I'm not that motivated. Because when it's unfruitful in my life, I'm not that motivated. Why should I read my Bible? It's unfruitful. I've had the right heart. It's unfruitful. I'm not that motivated. But you know what I've learned? Everything matters. Whatever you do, whether it's fruitful or unfruitful, guess what? God makes it grow. And everything you do matters. Everything. Whether it's unfruitful, whether it's fruitful, guess what? It matters to God. The last thing that really stops me is, I could be lazy. I mean, come on. When you work hard, you need a break. And if you keep working hard, that break ends up leading you into being lazy. And this is what I mean. Knowing Jesus is hard work. 
Because it takes time, it takes effort, it takes concentration, it takes focus. And you know what? That's just too much work. Especially when you're married, then you add on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight kids, maybe. Tell me that's not hard work. You, you, you look at the number eight and go, man, when do I have time for God? When do I have time to know Jesus? Because all these things are pulling me everywhere. I got to get a job. I got to work. I got bills. I got parenting. I got church. I got a Bible talk. I got this and that. Of the kingdom. And then you just end up in the spot going, I'm lazy. I'm done. Let someone else do it. How come no one else is helping out? You know, we get to that stage. I don't know about you. I'd be like, man, why is that brother sitting way back there? He needs to serve, man. He's, he's, been, he's been a disciple longer than me. And I'm up here preaching, serving, doing the tables, chairs. He's doing nothing. He's just sitting back there. Oh, no, don't take it personal back there. I'm not talking about, you know, it's just, you know, I'm wearing Don't take it personal. We're all in the same boat at different times in our life. You know what I'm saying? Man, my time is running out. I tell you. The pressure. But you know, this is how I see it. Here's my practical. How many of us got some bling bling on in here, right? Some gold, some pearls, whatever. She's like, yeah, look at this. Ooh, you see that right there? And you wear it nicely. You know, we, we like gold. Women like pearls. Some men do. I'm not, I'm not one of them. But you know how they get that gold and that pearl? They dig deep. People risk their lives. Even for pearls, they just don't show up on a counter. You come to Hawaii, they have pearl stands everywhere. They're trying to sell you a pearl. Open the thing and there's a pearl. But you know what? People risk their lives to go deep into the ocean to get that pearl. And that's how it is with God. Spending time with God, it takes work. See, God is not a surface God. God is not just on this counter where you go, Oh, look at that. There's God. No, the deep truths are found when we're actually digging deep. And guess what? We don't like to dig deep. We're lazy. But you know what's incredible about that? God still loves you when you're lazy. What an incredible God! Go deep. My question this morning for all of us is, will you continue to know Jesus and His salvation? Second point, verse 17, to help us grow spiritually. To help us grow spiritually. Why? So you and I can be equipped for whatever God wants us to do. I will say that again. So we will be equipped for whatever God wants us to do. See, some of us, man, we can't resonate with that because, you know, we're not digging deep. And that's okay. You're not always going to be super spiritual. But this morning, man, bless you. 
Bless me. Amen. So, so how do we get there? How do we grow spiritually? Well, the Bible gives us great direction. Very simple. I'm a simple kind of guy. Verse 16. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. Now this is how I see it. Teaching shows us the path to walk on. Rebuking shows us where we got off the path. Correcting tells us how to get back on the path. And then training in righteousness teaches us how to stay on the path. And this is how I see it. I thought about this. Oh, what kind of example can I give? And they can all go, ooh. Man, I'm a simple kind of guy. I just thought, you know what? I remember this trip that Karen and I took with the boys. We drove from San Diego all the way to Seattle. And uh, we borrowed our friend's GPS. We clipped the GPS in. You push San Diego to Seattle. Okay? Anytime we got off the path, which is basically what? The I-5. I mean, that's all you got to do. Stay on the I-5. 770 miles. When you get off course, what does it say? Recalculate, you dummy. (laughs) This is what I'm going to compare it to. Guys, the Word of God is our GPS in life. And you know what's amazing about that? When you get off path, guess what the Bible says? Recalculate. You can go so wrong, so way off course. God God is going to recalculate so you can get back on the path. You can keep sinning, you can keep going, you can, you know. But God's going to be like, recalculate. I love you. You're bad, ugly, and ugliest. I still love you. You know. That's what's so amazing about our God. He's going to recalculate wherever we go. I mean, we could get off the path a hundred thousand, whatever kind of miles, whatever, wherever sin has led you this morning. God's word wants to recalculate where you're at and bring you back on the right path. The teaching. The rebuking. And let me, let me just clarify. Rebuking shows us where we got off the path. You know, we think of rebuking, oh, bro, I don't want to get rebuked. Or correcting. Oh, I don't want to be corrected. Well, correcting tells us how to get back on the path. That's it. My question for us this morning is, is the Word of God still your GPS in your life? You know, our theme in Hawaii for the first three months is walking with God really hard to walk with God. Especially now, you know, we've matured, we've added some kids, bought a bigger house or whatever, whatever, whatever has been added to our life. It just makes it really hard to walk with God again. And this morning, I'm so, so happy we have the Word of God. That Paul this morning taught us that we should know Jesus and His salvation. That's why we should know the scriptures. And then the second thing is, so we can grow spiritually. Wherever we are.
God's word is our GPS. He's going to recalculate. It's okay where you're at. God's going to go recalculate. He, he, this morning, he's showing us right now from the scriptures. It's not my scriptures, it's God's scriptures. And so this morning, you know, as we take communion, that's what we're doing right now, right? <laughs> recalculate. You know, as we take communion, let's take time out to really embrace God's forgiveness. And, and to allow God to recalculate wherever we've been. Amen? Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful. What an incredible family right here. Man, I love this, God. I'm so grateful this morning that you are amazing. That God, even though I felt tired this morning, I, I'm just so grateful you love me. Your love doesn't change for us. It is unconditional. And God, help that to motivate us. That God, whether we're good, bad, or ugly, or ugliest, God, help us to be motivated by